I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied every groan. Long as I live, when troubles rise, I'll hasten to his throne. Good morning. It is so good to be with you on this Wednesday morning. This is one of the few moments when I feel like all the pieces of my life are in one place. <laughs> and it was almost 10 years ago that the Reverend Laura White and I were ordained to the gospel ministry at the Alfred Street Baptist Church. And when I was ordained, I was asked if I would lead Baptist worship at BTS to which I responded, I just became Baptist. I don't know if I'm ready to lead. <laughs> but it occurred to me that if we were going to do Baptist worship, that we needed to bring some Baptists in. And so, <laughs> in addition to my gratitude to the chaplains and the sacristans, I want to express my deep gratitude to the Alfred Street Baptist Church, its music ministry, our ministers, our support team, the people who made these bulletins. I want to thank Herschel, who is an honorary member today because he's running point with music, and invite all of Alfred Street to stand. Now, our scripture lesson for the day comes from the book of Exodus, and I'm going to be reading Exodus chapter 14, beginning with verse 5. I invite you to stand, as is our custom, out of respect for God's word. Exodus 14, beginning with verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the minds of Pharaoh and his officials were changed toward the people, and they said, what have we done letting Israel leave our service? So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 picked chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out boldly. The Egyptians pursued them, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his chariot drivers and his army. They overtook them, camped by the sea in front of Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. I'd like to speak to you on the topic this morning. Now see here. Now see here. Will you pray with me? God, 
we come into your midst humble as we know how, asking simply, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will come and do what only your Holy Spirit can do. Open our hearts and our eyes and our ears so that we can see and hear and be transformed. Fix us, Lord. This is our prayer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Whenever I teach the Old Testament survey course, the fall semester final exam has three components. The first part is scripture identification. Then there are questions that require short answers, and then there are one or two brief essays. I always begin with the scripture IDs. And over the years, I have developed the habit of using the same scripture passage for the first ID. If you're in Old Testament, pay attention. <laughs> Whenever I teach the Old Testament survey course, the first scripture ID is Exodus 14:13. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. Not only do I use the first passage, not only do I use the same passage as the, the, the ID, but before the exam begins, before I open up the class in prayer, I read a scripture passage. Exodus 14, 13. <laughs> But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. And then I paraphrase a little bit and say, for the exam that you see today, you will never see again. This is my practice. Same verse, same ID, same location. Whenever I teach, the Old Testament survey course in the fall. And every time, there are a handful of people who miss it. Even though I really go to great lengths to make it obvious so they can see. But I get it. It's hard to pay attention when you're trying to remember the four sources of the documentary hypothesis. Or maybe you're trying to make sure you don't misspell Deuteronomy. Or maybe you're trying to figure out where that verse is in Leviticus that says, love the stranger as yourself. Our senses can get distracted. Just ask the Israelites. Moses is leading a people whose senses were dulled. Three times in verse 14, Moses asks the people to see. Three times. But the problem is, they had seen too much. Their existence had been shaped by generations of oppression and death and loss and powerlessness, and they had learned to move through the world with caution and fear. They were in survival mode, always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it is hard to hope for the best if you're preparing for the worst. You see, fear can obscure your line of sight. 
and their past suffering was too recent. They had just gotten out. And just when they thought they might exhale, just when they thought they might relax their shoulders just a little bit, their worst nightmare became real. Pharaoh, 600 picked, picked chariots, those are the really fancy ones, and all his chariots with officers in them bearing down on them. And the people cry out. They cry out first to God and then to Moses. And what's so intriguing to me here is not the fact that they cry out, but the way that they do it. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us to die in the wilderness? That's a little snarky, right? Right? <laughs> what have you done bringing us out of Egypt? Or my all-time favorite, is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve Egypt. It would have been better to serve Egypt and die in the wilderness. It would have been better to serve Egypt than to die in the wilderness. I think that is the exact opposite of the Negro spiritual O freedom that says, before I be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave. The Israelites are actually saying, I'll take slavery for 200, Alec. <laughs> the words that are recorded as the complaints of the people are not the words of novices. This isn't their first go-round. They have been carrying these fears inside for a long time. Some of our complaints are familiar because we've rehearsed them. Our mantras create a protective shield, and we are comforted by these words. The Israelites are not only physically hemmed in, their words reveal that they are spiritually hemmed in. Stay with me. Some of us have been in this place. In fact, I venture to say some of us are in that place. We are encamped on the edge of our future, and the past is hunting us down. And for some of us, the past is hunting us down because we brought it with us. You know that God called you. You know that God has a plan for your entire life. But it's harder than we thought. We were prepared for the outer work. We were prepared for the classes. But the inner work is going to take us out. We did not anticipate that our family might have needs, that there might be some anxiety and depression. We're, we're not used to not being right. And everything takes so long. And who knew about Midler evaluations and finding primary sources? And they don't even worship the way I'm used to. God, why didn't you just leave me alone? Moses responds to the people's complaint by asking them three times to see. The first time he says, do not be afraid, stand and see. Do not be afraid, stand and see. The alternative to fear is to assume a position of expectation. 
If the way of seeing the worst case scenario is learned behavior, then it stands to reason that we can learn how to expect more from God. We have to practice seeing differently. And whether we want to admit it or not, we have to learn to see differently. The Israelites were seeing like enslaved people. We can't blame them for that. But we too have been shaped by our experiences. Moses' invitation to the people and to us is to see your way free. See your way free. So, let me tell you a story that it's not one of my favorite stories, but I must tell. VTS has a commitment to community. It has a commitment to us all bringing our differences and learning to live together. And part of that commitment means that at some point you have to take intercultural competency training. It is a great program, and I say that because I've been to enough of these to know. We do a wonderful job here, but the fact of the matter is, all of us, regardless of our context, no matter what our background, you don't want to fail intercultural competency training, right? And it, you can't really fail. They're going to tell you you can't fail, but you know what I mean. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that woman who says something that makes everybody turn around and say, oh, she better come back next year. You don't want to be that person. And so you're trying to be open, but you're also kind of a little careful. And we had this wonderful facilitator this year who took us through an exercise where she put a text on the screen and she asked us a simple question. Look at the text and count the number of times you see the letter F. So I'm thinking, is this a trick question? What's, what's so, okay, okay. So count the number of times. I looked, I counted once, I went back, did it. I counted three times. Every time I got the same number, we're good. Then she said, now go into groups based on the number that you saw. There was a group of six, there was a group of seven, there was a group of eight, and there was a group of nine. Now I'm confused. We all saw the same text. There was only one screen, right? Six, seven, eight, nine. So then we find out that there were nine, and I was in the wrong group. <laughs> now, I just want to be clear, I don't like being wrong. I don't like being wrong at the place where I teach. I don't like being wrong in front of my colleagues. And let me just tell you, the people who got it right between you and me, they looked a little smug. I'm not <laughs> hating. In order for me to get through the exercise, I had to do something besides stay with my group and affirm so that we could affirm one another. I had to move to the other groups and ask them what it was that they saw. And it was only after the facilitator came back that I learned that the reason I saw a different number is because of the way I see that some of us, when we read a text, are actually hearing the text, and if the consonant is unvoiced, we don't count it because it doesn't count through our ears. What? <laughs> In order to complete the exercise, I had to step out of the space where I was and engage with someone to see differently. Moses is inviting the Israelites and their descendants 
instead of fear, to begin to see the salvation of the Lord, to see the salvation that the Lord is going to effect for you today, that the salvation of God is imminent. And if you have been enslaved, your imagination may need a jump start. So when you can't see God's salvation in the imminent future, try seeing God's salvation today. Today, I'm encamped against the sea, but I'm already out of Egypt. It may not feel great. I'm not in the promised land yet, but I am on my way. I am en route. And sometimes we have to stop where we are and say, I am not where I need to be, but when I look at where God has brought me today, I can muster up a little hope. And if that doesn't work, think of that song, when I look back over my life and I think things over, I might be able to detect a pattern of God's faithfulness that gives me just enough room to have hope in this tight space. See differently. Enter a different space. Moses' second command to the people to see is about time. It helps us think about the Egyptians we see today and what's going to happen tomorrow. He said, the Egyptians you see today, you won't see again. Now that's kind of sort of good news because there will be other challenges in the wilderness. <laughs> but I think that Moses is asking the Israelites and us to distinguish between the immediate scene and the big picture. Stay with me. Pharaoh has all this power. There's no denying that. But if you extend your gaze, you might be able to see that this moment is a part of a larger script. You might be able to see your way past the challenge of today. I'm indebted to the seasoned saints at Alfred Street Baptist Church because there was, I heard a phrase that I use all the time, I act like it's mine, I got it from them. They say, just keep living. Just keep living. It's a developmental model that says, you may not have the skill set you need today, but you might tomorrow. And you may not be tall enough to see the future today, but you might grow an inch this summer. And if you keep living, you'll be able to see past the obstacle right in front of you. Whether it is that exegesis paper you have to do for Old Testament, yes, Lord. Whether there are health challenges, whether it's your ordination path, maybe you're wondering if you can actually do this thing for three years. Extend your gaze. As Rafiki said, look harder. We're not being asked to look away because Pharaoh's power is real. The point here is not to be distracted by the reality of the Pharaoh, but to look beyond the reality of the Pharaoh because there is an alternate reality. There is another way of seeing. My, fr my friend, my friend Faye, um, used to, says this thing to me when we're talking. She will be discussing any number of things, and at a certain point in the conversation, she will say, now see here. 
That's her way of signaling that if I paid no attention to anything she said so far, I need to make sure I don't get, that I don't miss this. Now see here. There are burdens we bear. There is fear that haunts us. There is anxiety that stalks us and obligations that might take your breath away. That is real. But there is another reality that tells us that the God who called you is the God who redeemed you. That's the God who made a way for you. That's the God whose promises will be fulfilled in you in spite of you. This is the God we see. Stand and see. God will do it. Now see here. We want to invite you into our observance of the ordinance of communion. And as we assemble at the table, I invite Deacon Paula Lewis to come and bless the table. <laughs> 